Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Jim Taddy here. Thank you, Mike Ross, and welcome to Leaf Sky episode number 35, season two. Our guest is Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and Sirius XM NHL Radio Network. Going to talk about the Leafs as they deal with their finances, and, well, it's an interesting challenge to say the very least. Here's something you should consider. Hockey fans, the pursuit of the Stanley Cup is on, and DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has an unbelievable offer for the most exciting playoffs in sports. New customers can bet $5 at any team to win and get $100 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the playoffs? With the DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more. It's your shot at an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code THPN. Bet $5 in any NHL team to win. Get $100 in free bets no matter what. That's the code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, on to the hockey story. And with the Stanley Cup in the late stages the silly season is just around the corner, and I love this time of the year. There's so many things at play. In fact, a number of coaches have already moved around, and you know the wheeling and dealing will start, the summer NHL draft, and, of course, the trades. And Wow, this is just an exciting time of the year. Let's get into our conversation now with Dave McCarthy from NHL.com and Sirius XM NHL Radio Network. Dave, as the Leafs get a set to approach, well, I'm not going to call it the silly season. I, I actually like it, the uh, the off season in hockey better than anything else. I think it's the fun season where there's all kinds of possibilities. And it's clear to me the Leafs have to get really creative. I would have at the top of my list the goaltending. How about you? Yeah, without question. I think the goaltending is, quite frankly, what should be at the top of the list right now. And it should be the start and the end of the list. Until they get the goaltending situation settled, I don't think their focus should be on anything else. And and right now, look, they're in a, a tight spot. Jack Campbell, who was very good for them over the last year and a half, is in a position now for the first time in his career after having to grind it out for 10 years to even get to this position where he can ask for some money and not get laughed out of the room. He's in a position to command some money, so he should do it because I don't know if he'll ever be in a better position to do so moving forward 
in his career. But my understanding is that he's asking for a number that the Leafs right now are not willing to to go to simply because their hands are tied. They they can't really go to a number north of you know five five and change on a, a longer term deal um, with the salary structure that they're in right now. So. They're going to have to find a goalie, uh, much like they did when they brought Jack in, that can be uh, a guy that's brought in at, at little money, but be uh, equal, uh, equivalent, if not better, than what Jack Campbell provided. And then the other issue is that with the uh, impact that Peter Morazic made last year, which safe to say was not much, uh, facing the prospects of bringing him back, next year with two years left on his deal at 3.8 is is something that I just don't think they can afford. So uh, they're going to have to try and find a way, I think, to divest themselves of Peter Morazic's contract to free up some space and then also find um, another goalie. So I think the Leafs are looking at essentially two new goaltenders at the NHL level next season when it begins in October. Yeah, it's, it's precarious because we know the goalie market isn't strong, so there's, there's a level of creativity here we're not aware of, but, but they have to come up with it. And quite frankly, even if they found a number for Campbell and he went with Campbell and, and Shulgren, you would have a level of concern that way just because of what Campbell went through during the course of, of the regular season this year. And, and let's be honest here, there's, there's going to be a, a new influence or a new head of the goaltending department, and that could change everything. So whoever that individual is, he has to help them with the answer. This is a, this is a multi-layered problem, isn't it? It what is. It is, and I think what we're learning in the playoffs is you cannot win unless you have reliable goaltending. Like again, let's look at the goalies that are still left playing. Obviously, Andre Vasilevsky. You look at the the guy that got to the Eastern Conference Final that did not win, uh, Igor Shosturkin. You know these guys are legit, legit goalies. Now, in Edmonton's case, Mike Smith, not exactly a, um, a guy that you would award a Vesna trophy to anytime soon, but ultimately they didn't win. And in Colorado's case, Darcy Kemper's been okay, but they've also got a team in front of them that might be as powerful as we've seen in, in quite some time. So when they're at the top of their game, all they need is reliable goaltending. I don't know if the Leafs are that good. Like, I don't think the Leafs are as good as Colorado right now. So I think they need better than than reliable goaltending uh, if they're going to continue the way, uh, continue to play the way they play at times. So they, they need to find a guy that is reliable and a guy that, you know, every time he plays, there's not, oh, you know, how's he going to feel after this game? Is he going to be able to play tomorrow? Uh, that type of thing, because it seems with, with Jack Campbell, that's always an issue lingering in the back of your mind as well in terms of his, his status. So it's it's not a great position to be in, and it's a situation where essentially it looks like they're looking for another Band-Aid solution on a position that, to me, commands more than a Band-Aid solution. It's a, it's a position that you'd like some stability in. You know, Dave, I've tried not to get negative just because, you know, it, it doesn't do you any good. But when you see what it takes to get into the Stanley Cup final, when you look at those two teams and then you realize that maybe last year we were a little too optimistic because the Leafs did a lot of maneuvering to get some, some pieces in to fit around the core. But, but you know, when the smoke clears, to me, and, and it's harsh, I, I understand that, but 
Austin Matthews is clearly the guy to build around. Mitch Marner is clearly an all-star winger. But when you take those two guys and put them off to the side and look at what's left, I see a lot of things that have to be addressed. How about you? Oh, without question. I mean, no one's questioning Austin and, and Mitch's ability um, to continue to elevate their games. They're, they're excellent players. And, yeah, they haven't got it done yet to this point, but they're going to continue to to plug along. They've got all-world talent. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, for better or worse, those are the guys you've hitched your wagon to. So you, you got to continue to run with them. I think William Nylander is a part of it. I just wish the guy would be a little bit more consistent uh, at times because, you know, people point to his numbers and his underlying metrics and all of that and say how good it is. Uh, but consistency is so important at this time of the year, right? Because to me, analytics are based on a long sample size, a large sample size, over 82 games, you know, quote unquote, everything comes out in the wash. Well, in a, in a cup final series, in, a, in an Eastern Conference final series, in any playoff series, you don't have time for stuff to come out in the wash. You need to deliver game in, game out for seven games for, for four series. That's what we're looking for out of William Nylander. I think he's got the ability, he needs to get that consistency there. And I think that can be taught. I think that can be taught. And look, he was really good last year against Montreal, Thought he was their best player. This year, maybe not quite as good against Tampa uh, at times, but I'm still willing to, to to roll with him. But after that, you look down the lineup, and you look at the contributions that a team like Colorado has received or a team like Tampa Bay has received. Um, you know, in Colorado's case, the Burkowskis, the Natrushkins, who've come out of absolutely nowhere. Darren Helm has been great. I thought the fourth line for Colorado, Helm, Cogliano uh, was was outstanding last night. They impacted the game every time they were on the ice. Um, you know, Ross Colton for Tampa Bay. Patty Maroon chips in with big goals. Uh, Corey Perry, we don't need to go on about Tampa. We all know the guys that they have. And you look at who the Leafs have. You know, do you see the bottom of that roster being able to chip in and, no. and make those? I, I don't. No. Right I really don't. David Camp, Pierre Engvall, um, Wayne Simmons, I don't think is at that level. And it's no, it, everybody loves Wayne. You love what he brings and, and, and his desire, but I just don't simply think he's at the level anymore in his career um, to compete um, elsewhere on the fourth line. Like is Colin Blackwell a guy? Maybe, but man, I, you look at the bottom of that roster. I just don't put it in the same league as a team like Tampa or Colorado. Well, that's the truth of it, and I'm going to be really point blank here. I think if we went back a number of years to eliminations in the first round against Boston, you would agree that the Boston fourth line, and in fact the Boston second line, or third line, sorry, the third line, so the bottom six forwards of the Bruins defeated the Leafs' bottom six forwards. I mean, this is an ongoing problem. I have a lot of use for camp, but Engvall can be, but he's not there yet. I mean, and you know, Kasha with, with the, uh, the health problems. I mean, this is the problem for me with this team is uh, there, there, there are indications that it could lead that way, but it's not guaranteed. When you look at Colorado and Tampa, you're talking the bottom six forwards on both teams. You've got nothing to worry about. That, no, that's a big difference. It is. And it's every game they're there. They're delivering. Look, you know, David Camp is a guy that I thought showed some potential and he's not a guy that scores a ton. He chipped in at times, and look, uh, Anthony Sorelli, for much of the playoffs in Tampa, was a guy that didn't shoot it in the net. 
Same with Alex Kalorn. But, man, did they do a job against other teams' top lines shutting them down. So you can live with, with um, minimal production if you've got other guys down the lineup chipping in. But I don't know if the Leafs do at this point. And um, essentially it comes down to if Matthews and Marner are not going to carry the mail and you're getting inconsistency out of William Nylander and John Tavares is, oh, I don't know if he's an $11 million player anymore, um, you're, you're not getting enough there to carry you through. Look at look at Colorado, what, what they've been able to do here, right? They're a win away from the Stanley Cup in, in the Cup Final. They've picked up three wins. Nathan McKinnon has one goal that went off his skate, right? And they're still a win away from the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That's because of the contributions they've had from down that lineup with the Nachushkins, the Burkowskis, Coglianos, Helms, Josh Manson chipping in with goals from the back end. Um, that that's what it's all about. And I just, I don't see that from the Leafs right now. And theoretically that should be an easier problem to fix than trying to find um, an Austin Matthews or a, a Nathan McKinnon or uh, a Nikita Kucherov. Those type of Leafs have guys like that, but they got to find guys down the lineup that, that are much more consistent and much more reliable than what they have at this point in time. You know, I, I don't want to be overwhelmed here, but there's a lot of work to be done. So let's go through what they have up front. I mean, we talked about the goaltending. You're going to leave the defense alone for the most part. But Austin Matthews signed, of course, for two more years. Tavares signed for three more years and likely to be shifted to the wing. Mitch Marner signed for three more years. Nylander has two, and there's a consistency problem there. Kerfoot at 3.5 going into his last year. Camp going in at 1.5 his last year. Bunting at 950 is last year. Simmons at 900 is last year. Uh, Abrazizi uh, is is there, also included in this unit, unit, and so is Kyle Clifford. And quite frankly, they're both Marleys, in my opinion. Uh, Engvall is an RFA. Kasha is, is an RFA. Blackwell's a UFA, so he's gone. And McKayev is a UFA, and he's gone. I mean, out of all those names that I mentioned, there's three or four, and obviously the top two go off under their own level. But there's another couple of players there that, that you can buy into. But the rest are... Uh, and I'm going to say this in terms of performance, with all due respect, negotiable. That's too many oh, negotiable players. I'm with you. And Ilya Mikheyev is a guy that I thought was really good for this team, kind of a Valeri Nikushkin type for Toronto. Yeah. But I think he's going to be in, in Valeri Nikushkin's boat in the offseason, which is to say he's going to command too much money for the team that he currently plays for. Like Nikushkin as you like to say, back up the Brinks truck for this guy because he uh, <laughs> he's put himself in a nice position. I think Mikheyev to a similar extent. So um, you look at the depth, um, apart from the top four who, who are staying, clearly that was made clear it off at the locker clean-out day. Uh, I, I've got time for David Kampf. Uh, I've got time for Colin Blackwell. And I've got time for uh, I've got time for Pierre Engvall. After that, um, Alex Kerfoot, you know, I'm I'm okay with, but he makes a lot of money, three and a half for what he brings. And at times he's been good, but then at times he makes really really bad decisions, and it ended up costing them against Tampa Bay later on in that series. So I just think there's a, an area there where they can improve on. In other words, get you know, similar to equal production uh, for a guy that's making less money. Um, after that, uh, they got to bring in some bodies like Wayne Simmons. Year left at nine hundred. 
I don't see him being able to have the impact. I just don't see him with the foot speed anymore. Um, who else are we looking at here? Uh, Andre Kasha, you can't count on the guy being available on a night-to-night basis. And oh. you know what? From a human standpoint, I'm I'm starting to get real serious reservations about putting him on the ice because, man, one more concussion, you want the guy to be able to live a, a good life after hockey. And I'm, I'm getting really concerned that he's – He's getting up there with the amount of serious concussions uh, that he has had. Um, Nick Aprizzi, I'm sorry, I saw nothing, zero out of him that that suggests to me he should be in the lineup opening night next year. He should be in the Marlies lineup, and he is going to need to show me at the AHL level that he demands to be called up. Before we get to that point, he's not even in the conversation, um, you know. And then after that, Kyle Clifford. Well, he showed us he he couldn't keep his emotions in check right off the hop in the series. Didn't end up costing them, but, you know, you can't really have that, right? Um, After that, they've got a ton of question marks, really. Uh, They're probably looking for, so what are we saying? Matthews, Tavares, Marner, Nylander's on the roster. We said, I said Kampf. Um, I said Engvall. I said Blackwall. So that is, that is what, uh, seven guys. Yeah, don't forget bunting. And and bunting. So eight guys, you're probably looking for four or five players that you got to bring in. Yeah, and and probably the issue is I think there's a lot of people that think the fourth line is going to be graduated Marlies. And and while that may be effective during parts of the regular season, that's not going to do much for you in the playoffs. And that's a cost-cutting thing because they're all on entry-level contracts. And, And then we get back to the original problem of there's limited cap space. That's an issue. Well, like Nick Robertson is a guy who seems to have been knocking on the door for the better part of two years now, but you know he's had some injury issues that have cropped up last year early in the season, broke his leg. That set him back for essentially half the year. But really, let's be honest. The guy looks like he has a lot of potential, but to this point in his career, can you say that he has put himself in a position where he demands to be in the lineup every night? No. No, he hasn't. So, no. you know, at, at this point, you're, you're still dealing on potential and not hope. And with, with a team like Colorado, with a team like Tampa Bay, teams that have gone deep in the playoffs, you have a pretty good idea of what you're going to get from those guys that are down the lineup. And here's the other thing. They're generally not first, second-year players. They're veteran guys that have been around a long, long time, like Helm, like Cogliano, like Corey Perry, like Pierre-Edward Belmar, Patty Maroon, um, those type of guys are the yeah. guys that fill out bottoms of the roster. Yeah, I mean, you know, as we sit here now, well, what we have here is, is a, a good group of forwards, but um, you're looking at shifting your, your number two center to the wing, so you need a number two center. You're looking at your third line, and you need a couple of wingers, and you're looking at your fourth line, and you need an entirely new fourth line. That's a tall order for a team that has goaltending issues. I mean, I, there's a lot of plate spinning here. There are, and the funny thing is, the guy that I would have had the most uh, comfort with being every day on the fourth line is the guy that they told straight up they didn't have a place for, Jason Spezza, and he decided to retire. Like, I don't know about you, but I still had really very little problem with Jason's game. I thought he was a guy that could contribute, win key draws. Uh, he made the second power play unit a threat. Um I, I didn't have a problem with him playing seven to eight minutes, five on five on the fourth line. It was a conscience of the team. 
still can't quite get my head around why they didn't feel there was uh, there was a spot for him, um, you know, night in, night out, more or less, like 90% of the time. And he was a guy that was willing to take 700000 bucks. I, I don't understand that one to me. I, I thought he has more game left. I'm surprised that that they they felt that way. But it, it was trending that way, right, Jim? It looked yeah. throughout most of the season that that they were desperately searching for someone else to play that spot. Yeah, they were, and, and they they didn't play him in in, in uh, you know a cluster of games, and, and that tells you right away that that's their assessment of him. Whether you agree with it or not is is one issue, and and I don't have any problem with with uh, teams making decisions on on players that way, but the backfill has to be there. So if you're going to say goodbye to a versatile veteran, then show me another one because to, to say that you're just going to promote somebody that doesn't work for me either. No, no, because you know again. What what Jason Spezza delivers you at seven hundred fifty thousand bucks and gets you twenty five to thirty points a year, there and everything else that he brings to me was far more valuable than a first year guy that you can bring in pay seven hundred fifty thousand to and maybe he gets you twenty five to thirty points. He's not giving you near what Jason was giving you to to me um, in terms of the intangibles. Uh, in terms of um, how he was able to to rally the troops at times, saying the right thing at the right time, um, all of those things that 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 guy spoke glowingly about Jason delivering uh, late in the season, twenty five for seven fifty from a first year guy for twenty five for seven fifty from Jason Spezza. It might look equal, but to me, it is not. So you're right. You're entitled to make a decision as an organization. Uh, I'm entitled to disagree with it. And if you're going to say goodbye, you better have a guy that that is willing to come in and play that role. Uh, I don't see that guy right now. And it's a huge hole down the lineup. Well, it's a key point because, you know, you can easily justify the decision to move on, but you can't justify the lack of the proper backfill. And that'll bring us back to the Kadri. So Kadri's decision or the decision on Kadri to move out was based on, on many things. And I don't have a problem with that. Although he looks really good where he is now and that's okay. That, I mean, people are supposed to go on, uh, but the backfield is Kerfoot and, and, and Barry and, and Barry didn't work. And, 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 you know, in effect, you got uh, Brody out of the, you know, you could use Brody as, as part of that, but what's missing in that element is is the the grit that Kadri plays with, and they never really found that, and that's a problem. The decision is one thing, but to have a void on your roster because you move somebody out and you don't fill it, that's that borders on irresponsible in my books. It was a bad trade, right? There's no other way around it. It was it was a bad trade, and then to sign Kerfoot to that deal that he got before ever seeing him play a game in your lineup was also to me a questionable decision and you know you know Kerfoot had a good year this year in terms of a numbers production standpoint but again I go back to it um numbers are not always equal and you've lost an element with what Kadri brought uh, how he was able to pull his team into the fight night in night out I'll never ever ever fault a guy for being too competitive um you just have to learn how to rein it in I'd rather have a guy that I gotta try to convinced to rein it in from time to time than a guy that you need to push and prod and plead and beg to show some level of oomph we'll say (laughs) on a nightly basis and and that's what they've lost with Kadri and they haven't been able to find that element since since he's been gone 
Okay, I'm going to end on, and this this is a, this is a downturn in the spirit department. I'm going to end on some numbers here that we can talk about. Cap space, as we mumbled, seven point eight four four and uh, three hundred eighty four dollars. So seven million eight hundred forty four thousand three hundred eighty four. Roster size, uh, that they have that kind of wiggle room with only 17 players on their 23-man roster. And in terms of the organization, they have 50 contracts, but they only have 38 contracts signed. They've got a gap of 12 contracts. Those numbers are scary. Something has to be done. That's why I look at uh, a guy like uh, like um, Peter Morazic at 3.8. Oh. I wouldn't even call him a luxury that you cannot afford because a luxury would suggest that he gave you something last year, and he didn't. Right, and he uh, dealt with injury issues, but you kind of knew that coming in when you signed him. I I think Uh, the guy was always hurt in Carolina. I think that's why they decided to go in a different direction because I think Rod was in a position where he was like, I need a guy that I can count on every night. And oddly, they went and brought in Freddie Anderson and Auntie Ranta, who have their own injury issues, and that kind of bit them late in the season as well. But that's another issue. Um, so there's money that needs to be moved out. That's why I say uh, Alex Kerfoot at 3.5. I'll say a luxury that they can't afford. That's that's too much money. Um, and then you look at, you know, on the back end, is there a guy that probably needs to move out to, to also free up some space? Like you get Justin Hall at 2 million. You know, you think 2 million, it's not a ton. But... Um, I don't know if that's like 800,000 more than you need to pay for what he delivers you. And um, can you say he gave you 2 million bucks worth of value this year? Oftentimes this year, I I don't think you could. I don't think he had a very good year at all for this Maple Leafs team. So that's why I think they got to shed some salary to to try to continue to add. And then again, they're going to need to go bargain basement hunting again, like they've done for the last number of off seasons and look, they hit a home run with Michael Bunting last year, all credit to Kyle Dubas on that. Uh, they've convinced Mark Giordano to come in and after making six and change, who I thought was really good in the playoffs and, and is still a guy that can deliver something uh, convinced to play for essentially free. Um, and in fact, he convinced them to let him take less than they even offered him to begin with. So there's a win there, but you still need to find a lot more guys at essentially free, and it's a tough recipe at this time of the year because we've seen it the last number of years, and it hasn't really led to anything. Okay, so let's do some ad-libbing math, which is always a scary premise. Uh-oh. If you if you somehow got a magic uh, conjure going and were able to eliminate the Morazic salary and the Justin Hall salary, you would have 5.8 to their cap space, so 5.8 and 7.8 is you'd have – $13.6 million of cap space, and then you would have to sign eight hockey players to fill that. Now, admittedly, you know, there's going to be some guys at entry-level contracts, but still, even to have $13 million to spend, and you're looking at revamping your entire goaltending and, and all the stuff we talked about, that's pretty tight, and that's with everything working in your favor. Well, it is, and that's why I look at a guy like like Justin Hall and his $2 million. Can Can that move out the door? Uh, and buy you even a little bit more space. Like, you look at it right now, and Timothy Lilligren needs uh, a new contract next year. He's uh, he's an RFA. Rasmus Sandin needs a new deal. He's an RFA. You know, look at Timothy Lilligren, who at times pushed past Justin Hall in the depth chart and say, well, what what's a contract for Timothy Lilligren? 
Do you think you can get him in at around a million bucks? I, I think you can. I don't think he's going to command much more than, than a million. I think he'll get a one-year deal in and around a million bucks, similar to like what Travis Dermott had uh, last year in a, a bet-on-himself year and see if he can uh, really push the, uh, the dollar sign next year this time. So there's a million dollar savings for a guy that could play a similar role. Well, a million bucks is a million bucks when you're up against it, like the Leafs are. Um, so, you know, there's another example of, of, of savings that you're looking for. But then again, you're relying on Timothy Lilligren, who is not a sure thing at this time. When you look at a team like Tampa Bay, there's six guys in the lineup every night on the back end. You know what you're getting from them. Yeah. Colorado, there's six guys in the back end every night this year. Uh, by and large, you knew what you're getting from them. They're veteran guys playing down the lineup. Guys like Eric Johnson, guys like Zach Bogosian, who was here in Toronto and, and has since moved on to Tampa and has been uh, really good. He's been great in, in Tampa Bay. So, you know, that's what I'm talking about. They're not generally relying on on young guys who are, are not sure things, right? Like Bowen Byram is a way better player than Timothy Lilligan. Lilligan still prove it to me. Byram is, by and large, pretty good player every single night for Colorado. So that's the position the Leafs find themselves in, and it's it's not, not to, uh, to borrow a phrase that Louis Domingue used earlier in the playoffs, Jim, it's not the best. I'm going to I'm going to end it on this Dave. We wish them well. Thanks for your time. Well, thanks Jim. Last minute of play in this podcast. Thank you Mike Ross and just a final thought on the way out. I was looking through some numbers here and, and you know this I don't mean to scare you. I'm not trying to scare you, but the numbers they're absolutely startling. So the Leafs, if they were I'm just going to go over what we said with Dave McCarthy. If they were able to delete the $2 million to Justin Hall and somehow get rid of the Peter Morazic contract of 3.8. That would give them $13.6 million to spend in the offseason, but they would only have 15 players on their roster. $13 million for, let's do some math, eight players. Wow, that's a tight fit. And I think you would agree with me that literally everybody in this roster, you might put Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner off to the side, but everybody else has to do more. This is an interesting dilemma for the Leafs. Hope you enjoyed Episode 35, Season 2 of Leafs Guy. Hope you come back next week for Episode 36. 